Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by Diego from the well-known boxing outlet, The Boxing Voice. Diego, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right, let's jump on with the show. So we're going to get going pretty quickly. This week's show, we've got three guests coming on. and We'll be speaking to those in due time. So we're going to try and whisk for it as quick as we can. So last Wednesday, this was the 16th of November. Uh, just one fight to mention on that day. A friend of the show, he's been on a couple of times, Wilkie Camphart. He got a win over in Haiti. So uh, Wilkie Camphart now 22-3. and three. It was weird. It was a nine-rounder. He won a unanimous decision over nine rounds, and he picked up the vacant WBA Fedekarib Super welterweight title. So good win for him. Moving over now to Argentina, a fight that took place over there. Just one fight to mention over in the social club in Buenos Aires. Uh, Diego Chavez, that's the guy we've seen in there with uh, Brandon Rios. I think we've seen him in there. Might have even been in there with Tim Bradley at one point, if I'm not mistaken. But Diego Chavez, he picked up a win. It was a TKO victory in the first round over Luis Pablo Zarate. So now uh, Diego Chavez, the record of 25 wins, two losses and the one draw going over to Russia now we're just flying from continent to continent um, Dmitry Mikalenko he moved to 22 wins of course he's got that one loss and he picked up a 7th round TKO victory over Breedis Prescott that's the man who knocked out Amir Khan a few years back and this one was for the interim WBC silver uh, welterweight title so a good win there for Mikalenko uh, that's it for Russia we're now going to fly back to the UK we're going to go over to Wembley Arena. This again, this card took place on the Friday. Top of the bill, George Groves against Edward Gutnetch. Now, we didn't know too much about Gutnetch, but he's a good fighter. He really was. He was very, very tough. Uh, George Groves hurt him multiple times, but he was able to hang in there. This one was for George Groves' WBA International Super Middleweight title. Uh, Gutnetch actually collapsed in the dressing room following the fight, and he was taken to hospital. So it's really worrying scenes after the fight. It was very disturbing to hear that. Uh, we hope he's okay. I haven't really heard any any kind of update on that. But it was a good win for George Gross because, um, you know, he went out there and he showed he, every every fight he's had under Shane McGuigan. I'm seeing a little bit more stamina from him. I'm seeing that he he doesn't really gas after like five or six rounds like he like he used to. I'm not saying he's as firing as he is in the first couple of rounds when we get to round 11 and round 12, the championship rounds. But um, he was pretty, he did impress me quite a bit. He really did. As I say, he didn't get the stoppage. He won unanimously over over three scorecards, um, you know, over 12 rounds. And uh, he gets a win here. But I can't really say much about it because I didn't know too much about his opponent. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I did. So uh, we'll leave that one there. But nonetheless, a good win there for George Groves. Also on that bill, Andrew Selby moved to 7-0 with a TK over, over his opponent, Jake Bournier, that was a good win for Andrew Selby, and he picked up the vacant IBF Intercontinental Flyweight title, so I think we're going to see him in some big fights very, very soon. Um, One more fight to mention on that bill, Nick Webb, the heavyweight, we've had him on the show before, very nice guy, he moved to 9-0, his opponent retired at the end of round two, so he didn't want to come out for the third round, and Nick Webb grabs another stoppage on his resume. That's it for Wembley, we're now going to go over to Fantasy Springs Casino over in California, US. USA. Top of the bill, Pablo Cesar Cano. His record 29 and 5 with the one draw. He fought another friend of the show, Maurizio Herrera. Uh, Maurizio Herrera really thought he might be able to do the business here, but he lost a split decision. So Pablo Cesar Cano picks up the win here. And Cano actually had points taken away in round four and round eight for low blows. So um, bad loss that for Maurizio Herrera. And uh, I feel very sorry for him. He's, he's a guy that's been on the wrong end 
end of a few decisions in his career. Also on that bill, Joshua Franco, a young prospect from the Robert Garcia gym in, in the USA, of course. He moved to 8-0 with a unanimous decision, a victory over six rounds over Felipe Rivas. And that's a good win there for Joshua Franco. That's it for that bill. We're now going to quickly touch on one card that happened over in Florida. Just one fight to mention. Matt Korobov, he moved to 27-1. and He got a unanimous decision win over Scott Sigmund. So a good win there for Matt Korobov. Uh, going over now to the Dominican Republic, another one just fight to mention there. Joel Diaz Jr. moved to 23. and He's serious stuff. He really, really is. He got a knockout in the second round. His opponent was also down in the first round. His opponent had a record of 15-1. and one. So uh, Joel Diaz Jr. certainly a man to look out for. He really is the goods. Now going over to Germany. We're on Saturday now. Marco Huck moved to 40 wins. His 40th professional win. His record now 43-1. and one. He got a unanimous decision win over Dimitro Kutcher. That's the guy that knocked Knocked out Enzo Macronelli a couple of months back. And this one was for the IBO World Cruiserweight title, which, of course, Marco Huck held before the fight. So he's retained that title successfully. And hopefully we see him get on to another big fight, hopefully one for a proper world title rather than the IBO one, which, of course, is not regarded as a big title. That's it for there. We're now going to go over to Manchester, UK. Top of the bill over here, Matty Askin against Tommy McCarthy. Now, I talked about this fight last week. Tommy McCarthy, a good, young, promising fighter. But it was a little bit too early for him because Matty Askin won the fight unanimously over 12 rounds. And he had McCarthy down twice in round four. But McCarthy showed heart to get up in round four and managed to see the fight out in the 12th round. So good stuff there from Tommy McCarthy. But Nonetheless, he picks up a loss. So his record now 9-1. and one. And Matty Askin just a bit too soon for Tommy McCarthy there. So Matty Askin in his 25th pro fight. He's now 21 wins, 3 losses and 1 draw. That's it for that, Bill. We're now going to go over to the big one. It happened over in Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile Arena. Top of the bill. I'm not going to start with any of the undercard fights. I'm going to start with the top of the bill because it was the juiciest fight possibly of the year, to be honest, when we, when we look back. Uh, top of the bill. Andre Ward challenging Sergei Kovalev. Andre Ward 30-0. Sergei Kovalev 30-0 with the one draw. It was for Sergei Kovalev's WBA, IBF, WBO world titles. Ward had a horrific start. I think he lost the first round on pretty much everyone's scorecard. In the second round, he was dropped. It was a 10-8 round. Wow. Diego, I know that you saw this fight. I know that you was very excited for this fight going into it. Tell us what you thought of it. Yeah, like you said, man, it was a it was a big fight. I think it really is one of the, if not the biggest fight of the year. Um, what I saw was in the in the initial going into the fight, I always had the feeling, and I always I I thought that Andre Woods was going to get the win. Um, even though Kovalev is he's a power puncher, he's also demonstrated that he's really a smart boxer as well. I just didn't see like most people were saying as well, I just didn't see how he would continuously land the same shot on Andre Wood. That's what I think was one of the, was the main difference. So, uh, anyways, what, in the first two rounds, like you said, I saw, what I saw from Andre Wood was the fact that he was nervous. He seemed really nervous and he seemed to be, I think it was more of the case of the jump in class from his previous fights. So his last two or three previous fights have been more of like a tune-up, it's not really the level of what Sergey Kovalev was, so I think that was really what what uh, what allowed him to actually get caught with the shot uh, early on in the fight. But that uh, that shot actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because later on, he actually after that he actually changed his way of fighting. He seemed to be more focused and he seemed to be to, he seemed to understand that at the end of the day. If he's not going to engage, he's going to get hit. So he has to engage. He has to start doing something to to get into the fight. So as the rounds as the rounds went on, uh, I think up to round five or six, Sergey Kovalev was still doing his his part. He was still he was still showing why he's one of the top fighters. But I did start to see a decline in his shots, in his accuracy, in his overall energy, and I think. That that was that was the turning point. I think that once you give Andre Wood some space, you allow him to get comfortable, you allow him to 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 start doing what he's best at. That's when Sergey Kovalev started to lose grip of the fight, and so so that's where I started seeing that uh, Andre Wood started winning the fights. Now, 
lots of people are, are saying maybe it was a robbery or some people actually argue very strongly that it was a robbery. I've watched the fights, the fight nearly three or four times with audio, without audio. I've watched it from the HBO telecast, uh, from the Sky one. And um, I really see Andre Wood winning. It, it is by just one, one round, but I do see him winning. And I just think it was really... I don't think really it was down to to Andre Wood's extreme skill or just his his masterclass. I think it was just the fact that Sergey Kovalev kind of conformed towards the, the latter stages of the fight. I think he kind of got drawn into uh, the pace at which Andre Wood fights. Maybe perhaps mistaken it for Andre Wood being uh, perhaps intimidated, but it's more of the way he fights. He draws you into this slow pace, and then when he wants to turn it up, he turns it up. So that's what I saw, and I think that it was more a case of Sergey Kovalev kind of letting the fight slip than Andre Wood actually doing an astounding uh, part of like his work. So I think that's what that, that's that was what what I saw from the fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the warm up fights, the the tune up fights that you that you mentioned. I know that he was just kind of warming into the weight, obviously moving up in in weight from uh, super middle to light heavy. Um, I think that yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk on that robbery point. A lot of people saying it's a robbery. I personally thought that Kovalev nicked it. I, I think it was definitely close. Um, last week, me and I as actually predicted. I predicted that Kovalev would win on a well. I don't think I said the method of victory, but he, I said he'd win. And I as said yeah. that um, he backed Andre Ward. I think I think that Kovalev nicked it. I think that the only way you can give it to Ward is if you gave about six or seven rounds in a row to Andre Ward, which um, I just think that. I just couldn't see that, you know, but I don't think anyone can say it was a robbery. It was definitely, I think maybe a draw or, or um, a Kovalev win by one round, maybe, maybe walled by one. It was, it was a close fight. Definitely. I don't think anyone can say it was a robbery. I don't agree with those people that had Kovalev winning by like five or six rounds. I think that's, that's ludicrous to be honest. Um, we'll leave that there. It was a, it was a real good spectacle. And uh, as I say, I think Andre Ward was very, um, I'm not sure about nervous, but I think he was surprised. I think when he got hit by that jab in the first round, which seemed to stun him, he, he kind of, he, he wasn't, you know, he, he kind of believed in the power all of a sudden. He believed in the hype of Kovalev. And when he dropped yeah. him in that second round, a lot of people couldn't see a way back. So uh, good start by Kovalev, but a good finish by Andre Ward. And uh, it made for a great fight. And remember, there's a rematch clause here that uh, uh, main events with the people that handle Kovalev, they're going to be exercising that. So we should see a rematch in 2017. But um yeah, yeah, it'd be juicy for sure. It, w- it really will be. Um, also on that bill, Alexander Govodzdik, he um, he picked up a win over Isaac Chalemba. Isaac Chalemba actually retired on his stall at the end of the eighth round. That's the first time Chalemba's actually you know been stopped. Uh, he's never been knocked out. He's never been stopped. He's never retired on his stall. So it's a good win there for Govodzdik. But again, we can't look into it too much because uh, Chalemba was injured pretty bad, apparently. I think he, uh, he broke his hand or something. I can't remember what the injury was, but he broke something. So uh, good win there, nonetheless, for Govodzdik. So he's now 12-0. and uh, Morris Hooker was on the bill here. This one was very strange. Um, his record was 21 and 0. He's got the two draws. He's now got three draws because it was a split draw. He took on a former opponent of Anthony Crawler in Dalis Perez. And Dalis Perez was robbed here, absolutely robbed. He was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, Dalis Perez, a lot of people even gave it a shutout or nine rounds to one. It was a 10-rounder. And uh, Dalis Perez now, again, he, he picks up a draw, but it was definitely a win. And I think he's got to do something to try and protest that decision or try and uh, challenge it or whatever it's called. I forgot the word for it. But Dalis Perez now, 33 wins, two losses and two draws. And Morris Hooker, unbelievable stays undefeated. He's now 21 wins, zero losses, and of course now he's got three draws. Also on that bill, Curtis Stevens proceeded to 29 wins. He's also got the five losses. He retained his WBC Continental America's middleweight title. He lost one point for a low blow during the fight, and his opponent, James De La Rosa, made for a good fight. His record now, 23 wins and five losses, but it was a good spectacle. It really was. Uh, that's it. Oh no, it's not it. There's one one last fight on that card. Clarissa Shields made her debut. Of course, she's the double gold Olympic 
medalist and she made her debut on this card and she beat another woman who made her debut i think they might have even met before in the amateurs and uh, they both turned pro and she beat her over four two minute rounds so a good win there for clarissa shields but that's really it for the reviewing that's all the talking of the fights that happened and took place last week we're now going to welcome our first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former British and Commonwealth welterweight champion. It's, of course, Mr. Frankie Gavin. Frankie, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Joey. Really appreciate it, mate. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, Frankie, first things first, I think you'd be the first to admit you've gone through a bit of a rough patch of late, both inside and outside the ring. I want to go back to your last fight against Sam Eggington. A lot of people thought that those styles, yours and um, Sam's style, it wouldn't gel. It wouldn't be a, you know, it'd be a bit of a boring fight. It wasn't. It totally wasn't. And I'm not just saying it because you're here, but I honestly thought that you'd win that fight pretty easily. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case on the night. Frankie, have you watched a fight back? And if so, what went wrong? Uh, I think I'm a bit too brave for my own good. If you watch that times where I'm standing there boxing, moving, the photos one-sided, and then I got a bit lazy, a bit like, like I ran out of ideas and sat on the ropes like I wanted to have a stare up, which, who knows, not me. Obviously, Eddie takes me shot after it. said, listen, I know you lost, but your stocks rose because of the performance. But I want, I'd rather be winning, to be fair, but I think, no, if I don't get the rematch, I've got to go to 140, really. Yeah, because I do want to add a lot of people online, you know, I know that people online, they're all sort of so-called experts, but yeah. um, a lot of people say that you should be at 140. Is that, I was going to ask, is that something that you agree with? You know, if you don't get that, that rematch, you kind of answered that, but people forget you're taller than you look. A lot of people think you're quite short. You're not, you're 5'10", yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just on no, I am, about 5'9 and a half, I am. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it'd be hard to do. I've done it, I've done it in 2010. It was going to be hard, but... When I look back, I look at the fighters down at 140, especially domestically, I think I can beat him. Well, I don't think I'll beat Ricky Burns. I think there's going to be no size difference. No, they're not going to be like I'm giving natural strength away. If anything, they'll be giving natural strength away. So I think it's really, I've got to think, get my head down, get a bit more discipline now and give it a go. Because if you look at the likes of Sam and Cal Brook when I've weighed, weighed in against them, they look a lot more gaunt than I look. They look a lot more trim. And that's how I look at 140. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I have to agree. And also, a lot of people, again, online rumours bring up that um, a lot of people are under the impression that outside of the ring, you don't live the life properly. Obviously, this is stemmed from, um, you know, missing the weight in, in the most recent fight you've had. Could you clear yeah. that up, Frankie? Because a lot of people yeah, believe you yeah. were given the sufficient time to make the weight, but obviously you didn't on, on the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, weren't, I would have made the weight no problem. Loads of fighters leave. I was 5.8 pound over, I think it was, if I remember rightly, the day before. Loads of fighters lose that in the morning of a fight. I would have done it comfortably. There was no problem with the weight. I went to the weigh and then the next morning, I went to the gym in the morning at 10 stone, 10 and a half. And I just skipped for 20 minutes. I would have lost three and a half pound easy. There would have been no problem. The 10-7 was there to make. Eddie Hearn, I think, from what I hear rightly, the other team were asking to take money out of my pocket. But Eddie Hearn said no, because he's not my fault. Obviously, because of what happened, to the Scottish lad, but I think Mike Tal, I think they thought they're obviously clamping down a bit, so one of them really. Yeah, I understand. Um, uh, just... no, I would be shocked if Sam probably lost the same weight the day before. Yeah. I've been in the gym with Sam, I think, before we boxed, before we were in the gym six pounds over the night before, so loads of fighters do it. I could mention, I could mention loads who lose £10. I've been there when I've seen someone lose £9 the morning of a weigh Wow, yeah. I've specifically seen them do it, and I couldn't believe that they've done it, but they've done it, and they've done it with ease as well. Yeah, I think that um, <laughs> it got it got, it got got kind of made into a much bigger thing than it should yeah, have been. Yeah, then it really was, yeah, one of them, really. But uh, the for any... I told if I weighed under 10 9, the fight was off, so I couldn't do it. Yeah, I completely understand. So for anybody that may be listening that may not know, of course, uh, Frankie just mentioned there, Mike Tao, that's a guy who unfortunately lost his life around about the time of... Yeah. Um, Frankie Gavin's fight, so it was all a bit dangerous. Yeah, so I think they was the British board really. I kind of agree. Listen, I'm not saying it's professional to do it, but some people just have their way of doing it, and that was mine this time. Really, I had that year right from the ban, obviously, and I put a lot of weight on. So, getting my body used to being back down again. Like I went up to like 14 stone three. Wow. It was because I had like a year out in the ring, and obviously it went on. I was still training, but I didn't realise how big I got until my mum said it to me. Listen, you want to jump on them scales, Frankie? 
Put jumped on him, then I got it down. Then, but like now, I weighed myself yesterday. I was 12-1. Oh, that was after dinner, so that was after dinner, and that, when I weighed myself after training, I was eleven eight. So my weight's down now. I'm going to keep it down over Christmas, and I'll be flying. Now. Yeah, that's the hardest time to do it, though, Frank. That's the hardest time to do it. No, nah, I'll be in. Don't worry, I'll be in training. Me and Max have already spoke about. I've got a nutritionist on board. I've got a couple on board actually. who are going to help me out in different ways. Great got stuff. Got prep food back, helping me out again. So brilliant, be brilliant. Now, what have you been up to since that fight, Frankie? I, I wanted to I ask own my you own gym. time out of the gym. Oh, you own your own gym, okay. I own my own, but I've got my own boxing gym. It's just turning amateur now. My, one of my pals died just before the fight. Uh, his name's Darren Smalley. He uh, passed away riding his bike to work, 45. So I've done a fundraiser for his family the weekend, earned a few grand. I had about 20 lads in the gym. Well, 42 lads I had in the gym sparring, all on it, giving more trophies and that. Uh, had my little son fighting on it. So it was a good night. We earned um, just over three grand. Oh, that is good, man. That is good, but very sorry to hear that as well, Frankie. Yeah, so was I, mate. So was I, boy. Okie doke. We'll leave all that there. So, Frankie, what is next for you? I know that you, you you mentioned the rematch. Is that the fight that you want more than any other fight? That's the, the one I want, yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I also know really right to, to get down the way. Yeah. And did you get a chance at all to see Ward against Kovalev on the past weekend? Uh, no, mate, I'm not going to tell you a deal. I never know. I uh, watch the highlight of him getting dropped. That's all I watch, mate. Okie dokie, okie dokie. And a big fight in your division, if you if you stay at 147, that is obviously we're going to see a, a unification fight between uh, Keith Furman, Furman and Danny Garcia. What do you think about that one? That is juicy. I think Furman. Go Furman. Really? <clears throat> I think he's a lot cuter than him, yeah. Definitely go Furman. Wow. And who'd you put oh, the best you out go of the Garcia, champs? Don't you? No, 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 no. I go Firmin. I go Firmin. But I was surprised. I think Brook beats them all at 147. He's absolutely massive. Brook? Brook beats them all at 147. Spends them ready for him. I thought he was, but I've beat him a lot more lately. Brook's just so big at 147. He's so accurate. I'm not saying he's, put, he's a one-punch knockout, but everyone might hit you. You know you've been hit. And if you keep getting hit, you're going to stay hit. You reckon Brook? Very Brooke... clever. He picks his Brooke's the best one four four seven in, in the world, yeah. And Pacquiao's in that as well. You you reckon Brooke could do Pacquiao? Yeah, easy. Okay. You got to remember stuff. Marquez. Marquez, like that little lean back right hand. Marquez is decent. He's very good, but he hasn't got Tommy like Cal Brook. No way. Um, the way Cal Brook leans back and pops him in, I don't think he's got Tommy like Cal Brook. I think Cal Brook's got the best accuracy in Tommy in the world at one four seven, definitely. Yeah, when I think of Brook, the first word that comes to mind is precision. He's very precise, Kel Brook. And he's very precise. Fantastic. He, he doesn't waste any shots. Every time. Yeah, so, he, like, I hit people, I bang. Hit, a lot of people hit him, but he hits you in the same spot every time. Don't know if he was just very lucky against me and hit me in the same spot every time. But from what I hear, he does it to everyone else. Yeah, no, he's a good fighter, definitely. And finally, Frankie... We've kind of whizzed through this a little bit. In your heart of hearts, I know that you still believe, of course, you can become a world champion. And what's recently happened certainly doesn't write off your chances of that. Yeah. In an ideal world, what will your journey be on the way to a world title? Will you look to try and win back the British or you'll be looking at the European? Yeah, it's got to be one. It's got to be 140, hasn't it? Oh, it, it depends. I'm not going to win a world title at 147 unless I get someone like that, Dave Afanasson or someone. That Russian to beat him. He's, he's, a, he's a decent kid, you know. He's a decent kid. I sparred him. I thought I sparred him. I thought I handled him comfortably enough. Yeah, um, he just got a win over Shane Mosley, didn't he? I know Shane Mosley is old yeah, as the hills, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, but uh, that's the only way I'm going to win a 147 total, and that's still a hard fight. But 140, I think Crawford's going to go. I'd, 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 I'd get on really well with Ricky Burns, but I'm very confident I'd beat him. And, I, and if I got offered the fight in February at 140, I'd make sure I made 140. Okie dokie. So if you could have one fight out of the two that we've talked about there, the rematch at 147 with Eggington or a 140 title shot at Ricky Burns, which one would you Ricky like to Burns take? Ricky Burns all day long. Ricky Burns yeah. all day long. Yeah. That would be a good fight. That really would. And yeah. just before I let you go, Frankie, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to thank any sponsors or anyone in general you want to thank at all. Do you know what, mate? Uh, ringside Online. You know, Dave, Ring, Dave Hill from Ringside yeah. Boxing. I'd like to thank him. He's been there from the very beginning till now, and he's still there now. Still sponsored my amateur club. Still done my amateur. Still helped me uh, put my amateur gym along. That's why I call it Frankie Gavin's ringside gym. So it's like both of us in it. 
going to be an amateur gym soon. My gym's kitted out with ringside. And if you are looking at getting into boxing, ringside's the best mate to get in with gloves and everything. Absolutely. Nice little plug there. Listen, Frankie, I really wish you all the best with your gym. Well done for the fundraiser that you did the other night. It's truly been a pleasure having you on this week's show. Good luck in the future. Enjoy Christmas and we'll catch up sometime in the new year. Thank you, mate. And if anyone on here wants to come down to the gym, anybody's welcome, mate. Anyone. Just get Definitely. in touch with me on any social media site and I'll look after them. Excellent right, stuff, mate. Frankie. Top man, mate. See you soon. Cheers. Take care, boy. Frankie Gavin there a good interview with him always a nice guy to speak to he really really is now before we end part one there's one last thing to do of course it's a slightly different show this week we did the review part then we brought you Frankie Gavin we're now going to bring you our second guest and then it will be the end of part one so before we end part one the last thing to do of course is to welcome our second guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated, hard-hitting young prospect, O'Hara Davies. O'Hara, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you back on. Ah, it's good to be here. Good to be back on. It's my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. Now, first things first, I want to go back to your last fight. You fought on the Bramer Cleverly undercard. Uh, you fought a yeah. guy who had a winning record. He'd previously been stopped in the 10th round by Lenny Dawes, so it was a bit of a measuring yeah. fight, this one. You got the job yeah. done in round two very early. How did it feel yeah. in there to get the win? And also, you've boxed in Germany twice now inside just 13 fights. Do you like fighting away? Um, no, I don't like fighting away, to be honest. I was meant to fight Liddy Lemon <laughs> in Glasgow, but when that fight didn't, come through the Germany option was just there and it was open so um I took it but originally I was meant to fight Willie Lemon in Scotland on the Ricky Burns undercard yeah so Germany is just an op- a different opportunity that came up twice and um, I was just happy to take it okay and what did you think of your opponent I know your performance was really well a lot of people criticized the fight before that the one at your call you got the job done but not yeah. overly impressively this one was um, a much people- better win People are forgetting that um, the guy I fought in for, he was unbeaten, undefeated. Um, yeah. On the day that I fought in Germany, that guy knocked out Stephen Norman, who signed to MGM. Stephen Norman beat Derry Matthews, I believe so. And um, he knocked out Norman. So that shows you what calibre that opponent was. That, that guy was on the bum. He was unbeaten. He came to win. And um, he's a good boxer. So it's not, he's not like the person that I fought when I fought in Germany. I fought someone that's got a winning record. But he's not as good as the guy that I fought at your core. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I believe that that I believe that that performance at your core. I believe that that was my best one yet. You also look at the guy's record. He beat Zach Davis, who I think he won a silver in the Commonwealth Games as an amateur. So he beat Zach Davis and he knocked out Steve Norman. It shows you what level he's on. So just because I didn't make him look that easy, just because he was a good opponent. All the criticism that people are, are giving about that fight, I don't agree with it. I don't really agree with it, to be honest. Okay, that's, you know, it's a fair point what you're saying. I think a lot of people don't look as deep into it as you do. You know, you know all the stuff and who he's beaten and what his record is. A lot of people don't really know this stuff, you know. I I think it's a bit harsh myself anyway. But your last two fights have been at 140. Do you feel better at 140? I feel so much better at this weight class. I haven't got to start myself to make weight. Um, Even after I make weight, I still feel good. I feel strong. Um... And this is the way that suits. This is the way that suits me 100%. The way that suits me. Um, when I fought, when I fought Andy Keats at 909 for the English title, um, I felt really weak in that fight. I felt really slow, really drained. And I believe that if I fought a better opponent on that night, I could have come up short. So um, after the fight, I decided to go up in weight, where I feel sh- I feel a lot more fit, a lot more strong at this weight, a lot more natural. So what you see of me at this weight is the real me, and um, I'll be knocking everyone out at this weight class. I like that talk. I like that talk. And the reason, of course, we've got you on the show this week is you're fighting this weekend against Andrea Scarpa. Now, for listeners that may need reminding, he's the guy that beat John Wayne Hibbert earlier this year. He's the champion in this fight as well. It's for his WBC silver super lightweight title. O'Hara, he did a serious job on John Wayne Hibbert. What are your thoughts on this fighter? Yeah, he's done a good job on John Wayne Hibbert, but John Wayne Hibbert didn't bring his A game. I've seen John Wayne Hibbert fight a lot better than he fought, and I believe that he was way drained. Or he didn't do, do he didn't do he didn't do like the dieting right or there was something was wrong with him in that fight. But he didn't look quite like the John Inhibitor that I've seen fight in the past. So I'm not taking anything away from Scarpa. I still believe he's good, but um I don't believe he's anything that I can't handle. I know he's a bit awkward, a bit tricky. Um he's gone and done the twelve rounds a couple of times. So he's got that advantage over me. 
But um, I believe that um, the fight is not going to be as hard as everyone thinks it is because um, I'm in tip-top shape right now. I've never been in, in the shape that I'm in now, and um, I predict um, a stoppage win by me. Okay, well, okay, good stuff, man. That that will seriously be impressive. Now, I've got to ask you this. Now you've gone up to 140, obviously, you know, you're with Eddie Hearn. The the obvious fight that could perhaps happen down the line would be you and Ricky Burns. I know that he's a stable mate of yours. I know that you spar, you get on very well together. You know, would would that fight ever perhaps happen between you guys? Nah, me and Ricky won't fight ever. Me and Ricky are good mates in the gym. Even when he's not in the gym, we still text and we'll keep in touch. Um, which is someone that I've learned a lot from inspiring I've learned a lot from him um, he's someone that I still look up to even up till now I still, I still yeah. look up to him um, as we're outside doing us um, as we're doing all of our sprints in the hills and all of us might be done on eight sprints and Ricky will go on and do that extra two and I realised that it's that dedication that has gone and made him as good as, as good as he is a three time world champion yeah. and um, he's someone that I still look up to even up till now I learn from him um, I can get advice of him so he's not someone that I'll be looking to fight in the future. Um, I think yeah, we're good mates. We, like, yeah, we're good mates. Like, we've got the same coach and that's how it's going to stay. Yeah, of course. Good words there. And um, obviously, you know, there was a lot of talk, a lot of trash talking between you and Romeo Romeo. It seems to have gone dead. He hasn't really fought for about eight months now. He's just disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth, so to speak. Is he on your radar at all now or are you, or are you past that? Uh, I'm far past him. Um, I think what happened to him was him and his dad had an argument. So... He left the gym, he left his coach, and I think he's back. I think he's in Wales now, and he's with a new coach out there. Uh, I'm not sure what he's really doing. But, um, he's literally just gone off the map. I actually forgot who he is for a second there. Um, <laughs> he's, actually, he's just literally gone off the map. He hasn't made any noise, and um, he's not someone that's really on my radar at the moment. At one point, he was, but now, like, who even knows him? Like, who even knows who he is? So, um, our. Um, I'm just looking at big names now. I, I want, I'm just looking at title fights, big names, big money. And um, yeah. Romeo can't offer any of um, any of any of them. He'll just be um, a bum that fights that comes up against me and gets knocked out like everyone else. So I want a big name, someone that's going to give me a challenge. And um, that's what I see for myself in the future. Providing you get through this fight on Saturday, I know you won't overlook him. You know, you're much smarter than that. Providing you get through this, in 2017, what can you see yourself doing? What title can you see yourself picking up? Perhaps a European, something like that? Um, nah, I won't, don't see myself going to that. Just WBC silver, as long as I win it, puts me in the top 10 WBC rankings. Why would I want to go down and fight for a British or fight for Commonwealth or fight for a European title? So you, you're That's wasting no time. As, I'm wasting no time. The WBC silver is a lot higher than each of them titles. As long as I beat Garpa on the 26th, um, I'd like to fight someone else that's in the top 10 rankings, in the WBC rankings, and then um, fight for a world title as soon as, soon as I can. I'm not wasting okay, any time brilliant. going down fighting for these small little belts because, um, yeah, I'm past, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be past that and I'm not looking. I'm not looking behind me. Brilliant stuff. And finally, is there anything that you want to get off your chest at all to anybody that may be listening? Um, no, there's not, nothing really that I want to get off my chest, but um, everything speaks for itself, to be honest. Um, in the past, we all know that I used to do a lot of the trash talking and I used to be a lot more outspoken than I am now. And um, now, I feel like I'm in, a I'm in a different place in my life and in my career. I don't really need to do that anymore, so I'm just me now. And um, I believe that um, I'm a lot more liked now. A lot of, a lot of people are, are more liked now. And um, I'm just going to let the boxing do the talking. It's going to do all the talking in the ring from now on and just um, um, enjoy life, fight, get paid, and um, enjoy my life. Absolutely. And just to finish it off, O'Hara, yeah. have you got any sponsors or anyone that in particular that you may want to thank or give them a shout-out at all? Yeah, I would like to thank all of my sponsors, um, Ogovo, Compass Telecom, the two main ones that have been there from early. And um, they've stuck by my side through thick and thin, um, even at the times where I wasn't really active or I wasn't fighting on a, I wasn't like I wasn't fighting live on gas sports or I wasn't getting the coverage that I should have been getting. They didn't leave me and they and they stuck by me and um they're the two main people that um I really wanna thank because they're really important and the sponsors are really important in our boxing careers and um they've been really important in my boxing career and um look forward to being with them for many more years. Absolutely, man. Listen, O'Hara, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, my friend. I wish you all the best for Saturday night and we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. There's just a couple of bits of news that I've got to go over. I, as usually, bring some news in, but he's not here this week, so I'm taking his job. Um, there's one piece of news that I want to mention. King Kong Lewis Ortiz has penciled in a fight. Of course, he was always set to fight on December 10th, but his opponent's now been announced. It's Dave Allen, so a lot of people not very happy with that. Of course, Dave Allen took a shellacking off of Dillian White uh, about a month or two ago, so um, I can't see Dave Allen, you know, even getting close to winning this, but he's very durable, Dave Allen. And uh, if Luis Ortiz can knock him out, it's definitely a bit of a statement. But it's a shame, you know, I'd like to see him fight a better guy. He just took on Malik Scott. Malik Scott, you know, he, he put up a terrible performance, but at least he's he's a better opponent than Dave Allen. And, you know, no, no disrespect to Dave Allen. We've had him on the show. He's a nice guy, but uh, he's not the right kind of opponent that we want to see in there with, like, the most avoided heavyweight in the world. So uh, we'll leave that one there. Um, Billy Joe Saunders was set to face um, his opponent, Akavov. And um, Akavov and... I don't know what's going on, but I think his paperwork to come to the UK hasn't been sorted in time. So that fight has been delayed for a week. So it was set to take place this weekend. It's now moved to December 3rd, which is the card that Jack Catterall's fighting on. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a blunder there from Frank Warren and his team. Barry McGuigan's been banging the drum that he wants to see Josh Taylor take on Ricky Burns. That would definitely be a great fight. Hopefully we see that down the line. And again, this weekend, Liam Williams was set to take on Armit Patterson. Now, Armit Patterson was undefeated, so was Liam Williams. It was set to be a good fight in the 154 weight category. But Armit Patterson, whilst jogging, uh, he was doing a bit of road work. He was jogging. He got attacked by, I believe, three men and a brick. So he's been attacked pretty bad, and uh, he's had to pull out of his fight. He posted a picture online. His face looked like a balloon. It was really horrible. So uh, really bad stuff there. And that fight has been called off, but Liam Williams has got a replacement opponent. That, you know, he took a bit of a shine off that fight there, but hopefully we see that one rescheduled for the future. And also... Solace, the guy that lost to Jamie McDonnell on the Monte Carlo card, he's actually challenged the decision. So I think he wants to, you know, he's appealed to the, the sanctioning body and hopefully they get something sorted there. A lot of people weren't too happy with that decision. And finally, the last piece of news that I've got on this week's show is that Scott Quigg is going to be facing... Jose Cayetano for the WBA international title at the Manchester Arena on that December 10th card. So remember that Eddie Hearn was saying um, that Scott Quigg would be in a big fight and Jose Cayetano is a good fighter. So this one is, it throws a little bit of spice on that Anthony Joshua Bill. But that's really it for the news. We're going to roll straight into part two now of course where we talk about the fights from this week we're going to start with a card happening over in spain just one fight to mention kiko martinez he looks to pick up his 36th professional win he faces another man that i've never really heard of he's facing a lot of these guys in these cards in spain that nobody's heard of so kiko martinez should get a job done here but it's an eight rounder at featherweight and uh, kiko martinez to be honest i think he's he's finished now really but uh, he's, we, we've got to keep mentioning him he's he's a good fighter or he's been a good fighter in the past so uh we mention whenever he's having a fight but that's it for spain we're now going to go over to the brentwood center in essex united kingdom top of the bill over there bradley skeet he puts his british welterweight title on the line against john fain remember bradley skeet was supposed to take on shane singleton in this fight but he took a fight in the meantime and got a draw and this fight's been put off so bradley skeet takes on john fain john fain 16 and 2 bradley skeet 24 and 1 uh, also on that bill lee markham takes on andrew Robinson both guys are well both guys have got something in common they both fought and lost against Frank Bullioni this one's for the English middleweight title but it should be a good scrap because it was they were both in kind of wars with Frank Bullioni so it should make for a good fight that one Boyd Jones Jr is also on the bill he fights for the vacant southern area super featherweight title against Martin Hillman Martin Hillman eight and two Boy Jones Jr. 10-0 with the one draw. And also another friend of the show, Anthony Yard. He looks to move to 9-0. We all know he's very exciting. He likes to get the job done early as well. It's only a six-rounder. And he takes on Ferenc Albert. We've seen him in there against a few different guys. He's got a record of 22-10. and 10. Harley Ben makes his debut. That's the son of Nigel Ben. Um, I've seen a couple of interviews where basically he's saying his dad's got nothing to do with his boxing career. They don't talk. He also isn't friends with 
with Connor Ben. So it's a bit um it's a bit of an interesting situation there. We have to find out a bit more. But he makes his debut. Uh, he's in a four rounder. He's a super middleweight. So um that's that's an interesting one there. And Harley Ben, you know, he, he looks pretty good from what I've seen. But again, he's only had a I think he's had maybe two or three white collar fights. I don't think he's had any amateur career and he's just diving straight into it. So this is like his third boxing fight in his life. So we've definitely got to be a bit patient with him. Also on that bill, Johnny Coyle, he gets out again. He looks to move to 16-0. and 0. He's a fighter that I like to watch pretty often. Um, also on the bill, Charlie Driscoll is on the bill. He's... He's known as Champagne Charlie. He looks to move to 3-0. He's a good fighter as well. And Nathaniel Wilson, that is the son of Chris Eubank Sr. He looks to move to 4-0. He's a good fighter. He's in a four-rounder at super lightweight. So two guys on the bill, both... um, you know, both of their dads fault, of course, Eubank and Nigel Ben, and both of the sons that are on this bill, both of them don't talk to their dad. It was very interesting because Nathaniel Wilson said the first time he met his dad was on a train. It's all bizarre. But uh, both guys, sons of legends, both on the same card, both don't talk to their fathers. It just adds a bit of spice. So I thought I'd throw that one in there. And now that's it for that. We're now going to move over to Saturday, the 26th of November. This is this Saturday. All those fights that I mentioned, took, you know, they take place on like your Thursdays and Fridays. Fridays, um, including the last one I just mentioned on the Friday. So on the 26th of November, one fight to mention over in Argentina, Fabian Maidana, that's the brother of Marcos Maidana. He's in a 10-rounder. He's 10-0 and at the moment. He takes on Christian Nesta Romero, who has a record of 16 wins, 8 losses and 1 draw. Fabian Maidana, he can crack just like his older brother. I'm absolutely sure about that. I've seen him knock people out, and uh, he's a good fighter, so we'll keep our eyes peeled on him. That's it for Argentina. Now we're coming back to the UK, Wembley Arena, top of the bill, Andrea Scarpa, 20 wins, two losses. He takes on O'Hara Davies. We just spoke to O'Hara Davies. We know he's feeling very, very confident in this fight. I know that he predicted a stoppage, so uh, we don't really have to say much about that because he kind of, you know, he kind of told us what he thought about it. And hey, his opinions definitely uh, holds more weight than ours. But this one's for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title, which of course is the title that Andrea Scarpa currently holds. So a good step up in class here for O'Hara Davies. And I tell you what, it's one that I'm definitely uh, buzzing about seeing, to be honest. I'm going to be there uh, ringside, and I cannot wait to watch it. Also on the bill, Martin J. Ward. He gets out against Ronnie Clark, and this is a chance for him to defend his British super featherweight title. So Martin J. Ward, 15-0 at the moment. He looks to move to 16-0. And Ben Hall, we'll be speaking to him very, very shortly. His record at the moment, 9-0 with the one draw. And he's taking on Carson Jones, 39 wins, 11 losses, and three draws. This is a absolutely ginormous step up in class from Ben Hall's previous opponents. This is incredible. Uh, ben Hall's last fight was against William Warburton, who's a serious journeyman. He's a, he's a bit tricky, actually, but uh, he's a journeyman that, um, you know, he's nowhere near the level or anything that, that Carson Jones is. Of course, Carson Jones has been over here about five times. He's He's a native of America, but he's been over here five times. I think he's drawn one. He knocked out Brian Rose in the first round. He had a close fight with Kel Brook, so it's a serious step up in class. And it's for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Welterweight title. So a bit of a mouthful, that one. But hopefully it gets Ben Hall in some good stead. Hopefully he stands in some good stead after that victory. I really hope he can get the job done. Also on the bill, John Wayne Hibbert, so the former opponent of Andrea Scarpa. He's on that bill. His record 17-4. and He takes on Martin Geffen at 20 27 and 8 with the one draw. Also on the bill, Jake Ball. He gets out again. He looks to move to 8 0. He fights for the vacant WBA international light heavyweight title against JJ McDonough. And Jake Ball, we know he's he's very good. He's very classy. I love watching him. Also on the bill, Reese Bellotti. He looks to move to 8 0. Ted Cheeseman's on the bill. He takes on Lloyd Ellert, who has a record of 20 wins and one draw. And of course, Ted Cheeseman, 6 0. So good step up for him as well. Uh, Charlie Edwards, he gets out again. Obviously, his last fight he lost in his attempt to win the IBF flyweight world title against John Real Casemiro. Um, you know, he got it all wrong that night, and we look forward to see what he can do in this fight. He takes on an opponent who has a losing record, actually. So it's going to just be basically one fight just to end the year on the high kind of thing for Charlie Edwards. So all the best for him. He looks to pick up his ninth professional win. Craig Richards, Craig Spider Richards, we've had him on the show a couple of times. He's a lovely fella. He looks to move to 7 and on this bill. It's a really stacked card, this one. Felix Cash is also on the bill.
Hill. He looks to move to 4-0. And finally, Katie Taylor, the women's, um, you know, amateur sensation from Ireland, of course. She makes her debut on this card, and her opponent has had a bunch of fights, about 20-odd fights, something like that. So it's a good start here for Katie Taylor. It's a six-round contest, of course, six rounds, all two-minute rounds. So it's a pro debut there for Katie Taylor. Also going over to a different bill now, also in the UK, going over to Swindon at the Oasis Leisure Centre. Luke Watkins is on the bill against Sam Cousins. Luke Watkins looks to move to 10-0, and and Sam Sniper-Smith looks to move to 4-0. So good fights there. And now going over to the Motor Point Arena, Cardiff Wells. Top of the bill, Terry Flanagan, 31-0. and He takes on Orlando Cruz. Orlando Cruz is kind of famous these days for coming out as a homosexual. So um, there's a bit of, well, you know, he's captured a, f- a few guys uh, are big fans of him now since since doing that. So uh, he's got 30 fights under his belt, 25 wins, four losses and the one draw. But this one is for Terry Flanagan's WBO World Lightweight title. Diego, what do you think about Terry Flanagan? I think that, you know, realistically, he's on the same kind of level as as Anthony Crawler, but I just don't think he really gets the credit for it. Maybe because he's, his fights are hard to watch, you know, because they're on box nation. A lot of, a lot of the fights, people find it much harder to, to, to see. What do you think about Terry Flanagan? Yeah. Uh, Terry Flanagan, I've always thought he's a good fighter. I think the main issue is, is just the exposure he's getting. And, uh, I think sadly that does come down to, to the channel he fights on box nation I think it's also to the reluctancy that the two main promoters in the UK have shown to work together in certain fights. And I think that Terry Flanagan's more a victim of a lack of exposure than actually his talent because he's a talented fighter. And I think that sort of, it seems like his career is kind of going around in circles until they actually find some like a, a big fight where they can uh, where both promoters can compromise. And I think that's one of the main issues that not just him on the Box Nation roster uh, are facing. I think it's like Billy Joe Saunders, other fighters as well from Frank Warren's stable face that issue, which is the fact that it seems that the promoter's egos is actually being put first than their actual career. And I think I've seen like I've seen fighters who are probably less talented than Terry Flanagan, who are getting more exposure than himself. And so I think that. That that's something that should be looked at, and I think that Terry Flanagan is a good fighter. So if you are interested in watching him, watch him. You're not going to be disappointed. And I think it's just a case of, I think, I think it's just a case of of him getting the exposure he he deserves, really. Yeah, I have to agree. I think you you made a couple of good points there. Um, you know, Terry Flanagan. He's a class fighter, you know. He's thirty-one and oh, he's a world champion. He's 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 kind of done it the hard way as well, a little bit. But um, yeah. yeah, he's he's. I'm, I'm glad he is where he is. He, he he's a world champion right now, and hopefully we do see that fight down the line. Remember, now Crawler's not a world champion anymore. So at the minute, yeah. at the minute, Flanagan's above him in in, in terms of you know status. But yeah. Frank Warren's just announced that deal with BT Sports, so he'll have a lot more money in his pocket, and hopefully we see bigger fights. But we're going to leave that fight there. Also on that deal for the vacant British middleweight title. Tommy Langford, 17-0. He takes on Sam Sheedy, 17-1. It was supposed to be Eubank Jr., but um, of course Eubank Jr. pulled out of the fight and relinquished his British middleweight title, so now it's vacant and they're both fighting for it, Tommy Langford and Sam Sheedy, so best of luck to both guys. We've had Tommy Langford on the show before, so a little bit more luck his way. (laughs) Uh, Tom Tom Stalker's also on the bill. He puts his WBO European lightweight title on the line against Craig Evans. So all the best to Tom Stalker there. Liam Williams, he gets out in his fight. Remember, this one was supposed to be against Ahmet Patterson, but he's been replaced by Gabor Gorbix, who has a record of 22 wins and four losses. I'd have to look at that record a bit closer because I haven't heard of him or anything like that. But he's got a decent record. Maybe he's a good fighter. I'll have to have a, a bit of a look on that. But uh, Liam Williams, 15 and oh, of course, he's got that one draw. And this one's for the vacant WBO European Super Welterweight title. So all the best there to Liam. Liam Williams. And now moving over to the USA, one fight to mention on a card over there. Cassius Cheney, that's the heavyweight 
that um, spent a bit of time with the Furies. I think he came over here and had one fight sort of in their camp. And we've had him on the show before. He's a really, really, really nice guy. So I wish him all the best in his eighth professional contest. It's a four-rounder over in Connecticut, USA. And finally, the last bill to mention, it's a real serious fight. A lot of people have been talking about this bill. It's kind of gone under the radar a little bit with last week's fight. But this this is really, truly another claim of the number one pound for pound spot i know that last week um, a lot of people say the winner is going to be pound for pound best but i think it was too close to to tell you who's number one and and number two this one seriously is a fight top of the bill vassal lomachenko six wins and one loss so um not a very nice record but he's a lot better than that of course you'll know he puts his wbo world super featherweight title on the line against nicholas walters 26 and 0 with the one draw what a fight diego i'm just gonna let you take it away from here so lomachenko we all know he's a he's an amazing fighter i think that really like you said his record doesn't really actually speak for for the talent he's got walters as well walters is a he's a talented fighter I think that the main attribute that when people speak about Walters that comes into mind is power. Um, Definitely. I, I think that the the main the main uh, thing that we'll probably have to look out for is how much can his power actually influence the fight. Uh, Lomachenko is a mastermind. He knows how to uh, move around the ring. He knows how to avoid punches. And I think that once again, it, even though that uh, the weights are different, I think that Something that needs to be remembered is the fact that Lomachenko, like Ward and like so many other defensive fighters, they are they are gifted in the in the ability of being able to getting hit by one punch but not receiving it again. So that's the that's the main issue that I can see. I think that Waters he's got the power, but will he actually be able to land and continuously land the same shot on Lomachenko? So I think that. Lomachenko probably will take the fight. He'll probably get the W. Uh, Waters has got the talent. And it wouldn't be a surprise if he catches Lomachenko as well. Because we haven't seen Lomachenko's chin tested by a puncher like Waters. So we saw that in his in his first step up to a, a big fight against uh, Siri Salido. He found it difficult. Many say that it was because he was early into the professional game. But we also have to understand that He's had lots of experiences, not just in the amateur game, but he has sparred lots of professionals. So maybe it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't just that. It wasn't just down to an experience. Because from what we've heard, he's got lots of experience. So maybe we will see uh, certain certain uh, weaknesses in the in the early part of the of the fight, just like we saw with Ward when he came up against Kovalev. But I do think that his skill will prevail as the fight uh, plays out. Yeah, I think I mean Lomachenko, I think his footwork is is sensational. He's some of the best in the game. Um, yeah. You know that fight that you touched on there against Orlando uh, Orlando Salido. Yeah, he uh, he came in like God knows how how heavy. I mean, he he lost his title on the scales that night. Yeah. Um, you know. And and of course he got the win. It was it was it wasn't very fair in terms of the way. It was very dirty tactics actually from a very yeah. experienced Salido. But um, yeah, I mean it, it ended up being a, a decent fight. I think that if the rematch could be done, I think that you'd have to go with Lomachenko. But um, no, I think that was just a little blemish. I think that was just a little a little bit of an unfair circumstance why he lost the fight. But since then he's looked brilliant. He's, in his last fight, he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, he looked fantastic. And Nicholas Waters, although you know, he's known as a power puncher. He's been in there with, well, he, he absolutely beat the crap out of uh, Nanito Denaire. But yeah. um, I think realistically, and I think Denaire's probably a little bit past it, I think that they're both good fighters, but I think that um, you'd have to side with Lomachenko to get the victory over yeah. uh, Waters. Do you agree with me on that one, Diego? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I just think that uh, the main issue as well has been with Waters that his career's kind of being kept on a pause right now. I think that Lomachenko is on his way up and that can only benefit him even more, especially with his talent, with the momentum he's got. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, that's all the talking done in part two. That's the part one done, the two interviews. Uh, Part two has come to a close now almost. Uh, We've, of course, brought you the news and all the talking about the preview and all the fights that are happening this weekend. It has been a real good one. It really, really has. So the last thing to do before we end the show, of course, is to welcome our third guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a young man that, like many other boxers, he says he wants fights, but there's a difference. His actions speak louder than his words. He's in a big one this Saturday. It's, of course, Mr. Ben Hall. Ben, welcome to the show. It's great to finally have you back on. My pleasure, mate. It was a good being on there before. I'm glad to be back. Excellent stuff, man. So, Ben, we spoke to you last time, I think it was in January of this year. I believe it was a couple of days before you won the Southern Area title. You've had the one fight since then, which was in September. So, just in a nutshell, are you happy with your year so far, your two wins? Uh, yeah, obviously, I've been, a, I've been a little bit more inactive than, I, than I'd hoped for, but the reason of that is because um, I, was in, I was mandatory for the English title. I was meant to fight Sunday afternoon. Um, he, he fell through twice. Uh, we couldn't get no one else to fight me at that, at that, at that sort of level. So he left me in the lurch sort of bit, really. So I was just happy to get back out and fight again. We had to fight on a smaller show, Calgary show. who put me on there, thank God. And then and now, now, now we're back, back where we belong. You know? So that fell through. Matching will come back to me and say, forget that. We'll just move on to a bigger title. And this popped up. And I said, no, do you know what I mean? So I've set my chance to both hands. And um, I'll, make sure that, I'll make sure I turn that into reality. Absolutely. And uh, of course, as I, as I just mentioned there, this Saturday you take on Carson Jones. This will be your 11th fight. This will be his 54th fight. Now, he's been over here before. You know, he's fought Kell Brook twice. He's fought Brian Rose twice. The first Kell Brook fight, he lost a close decision. Uh, he gave Kell Brook hell in parts of that fight. The first time he came over here and fought Brian Rose, he knocked him out in the first round. He's always done pretty well over here, is my point. Ben, you're in one corner. He's in the other. We're two days away from fight night. What are we going to see? We're going to see fireworks. We're going to see a good fight. We're going to see a good boxing display from my half. Um, obviously, he's done well over here. But, you know, that's then. This is now. I'm a young gun coming up. I'm a young gun who believes in myself. I'm a young kid with the ability. So, I'm just going to... You know, I mean, everyone's, everyone's a bit shocked thinking, oh, he took this fight. This fight. Oh, Carson Jones, he's, he's a very good fight. But he's not, he's not Superman. I don't understand it. Like, and I don't know if these people haven't seen me in the gym. The mark haven't been active. That's maybe why I'm getting overlooked a little bit. I'm not sure. But there's a reason why I took this fight. And that's as simple as that. Yeah, I think you should be given credit for taking the big step up, you know? It's, uh, it's yeah, certainly... yeah, yeah. And, and those right, people right. that are saying, no, no, it's all right. Those people that are saying, uh, oh, this is a bit soon, this is a bit soon. It makes it even better when you do get the win, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point, that. Yes. It makes it more and... sweet, certainly, yeah. And have you watched tapes of him? And how how did this fight even come about? I know you just sort of said there that um, you know you you were mandatory for the English that didn't come off, so you've kind of come for this. But how did it come about? And have you watched any tapes of him? Um, well, what it was after book Chris Adjadua, I was sitting at home and Pete Pete bowled me and he said Eddie put Carson Carson Jones's name forward. I said Jay in a heartbeat, but Pete was like, oh, we'll see. I think he went on a little look at things and that. And then he said, uh, I think we'll do it towards the end of the year. I said, all right, whatever you think. But I would, I would have took it then. But he's, he's in charge of my career for a reason. And um, so at the end, end of the year, it's here now. It's popped up again and, and we've took it. And um, what's your other question? Yeah, I've, I've watched I've watched him growing up. To be honest with you. I like the guy watching him. I saw the Wars of Colbrook. I was a young kid coming through the amateurs at them sort of stages. So I was watching him as a fan, as a spectator back then. But now I'm boxing. Obviously, I've been watching him more of an educational approach. Um, I'm picking out what he does wrong, what he does right, um, and I'm. You know what I mean, I'm looking to capitalise on all the things he don't do well, and I'm looking to you know stay away from the things he does do well. It's as simple as that. Yeah, excellent. And of course, he's fought twice this year as well. He's won both of those fights by knockout. If you were to beat this guy, I know we're not overlooking him or anything like that. But if you were to beat this guy, yeah. what do you see yourself doing next after Christmas? Of course, I know that you'll uh, you'll you know you'll have a nice time over Christmas. I'd imagine. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, um, well, well, ideally, we're looking at like, one title shot in nine or 12 months. Um, we'll win this. Like, we'll base it on what I do in the gym. Obviously, I need to do it on the night. But I beat someone like Carson Jones. It does put me in the top of the rankings. And um, a world title shot will be, um, is what we're looking for within nine or 12 months. Okay. So it's, uh, it's big things. Uh, now, I know that this one is yeah. for some kind of WBC title. WBC International, as well. Okay, so so would that so would you kind of be going down that WBC route? I'm not too sure, you know. Um, I imagine so. Like, that's more that's more to my management. Uh, I'll just fight. <laughs> I just want to fight yeah, the best no. now. Simple as that. Yeah. So, but I imagine so. Just to, just for like an educating all educated, educated guests. I, I imagine that's the route you want to go down. I guess there must be a reason why they picked that title. So, and I assume it's for they say that's the best route but uh, obviously the green belt you know WBC is the most prestigious one it's the most famous one 
Um, it's the one I'm most interested in, but I just I just want to win eight miles. I don't really, I don't really pass it what we're going down, but I imagine that's the that's that's the route that they're, they're chosen for a reason. Because the WBC champ at the moment is Jamel Charlo. He's uh, of course one of the Charlo twins. Um, in my opinion, anyway, he's kind of I'd say he's probably the weakest out of the champions right now. He obviously holds the best belt at WBC. You've got Lara with the WBA. You've got Canelo with the uh, the WBO. He just beat um, Liam Smith for. So he's got the WBC. Do you know much about him at all? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think he probably is the weaker one out of the bunch. Um, his brother's probably the better one. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Lara, Lara's, Lara's a tricky fighter, obviously. You've got Canelo, who, who looking to go middleweight zone. But, so I think the division will open up. You know, It's a very packed division. There's a lot of talent in there. So even aside of the world champions, the top yeah. rankings in the world, they're, they're all very, very good fighters. Um, Definitely. But obviously, Canelo will be moving up. That'll leave, that leave a spot there. But any, any, I mean, Lara, Canelo, I think they're standouts. But anyone else, I mean, I think they're, I think they're, they're, they're the sensible choices. Yeah, also another one in that mix, Demetrius Andrade. He's a serious fighter. Yeah, yeah, he's a danger man, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, finally, Ben, um, I just want to give you an opportunity, before I let you go, I just want to give you an opportunity to thank any sponsors or anyone in general you may want to thank at all before before we get this done. Yeah, go on then. I, I'd like to thank um, my family, my mum, dad, my brother, Help me out, my Peter, Peter Sims, my trainer, my manager, Eddie Hearn, my sponsors, um, Charlie Norwin, uh, my mate Isaac, RJ Skips, CJ Contractors, Winnie Mills, Transcar Sports, who else have got? Tony Hudson, um, we've got so many sponsors, man. Um, Hearts Health and Safety, um, that's what I can't remember off the top of my head, but everyone out there, you'll appreciate it. I mean, everyone plays their part. My strength coach, Dan. You know what I mean? Everyone plays their part and uh, it's a team effort. I'll go there. Excellent. It's a team effort and it's all appreciated. Excellent. It was like reading out a book from the Yellow Pages there, all those different sponsors. Mate, no, I can't <laughs> read. So that'd be that. Don't you want to say that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen. Listen, Ben, yeah, it's yeah. always a pleasure speaking to you, mate. I really appreciate you giving us a bit of time so close to fight night. Best of luck for Saturday and we'll speak again soon, mate. Oh, thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Top man. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 58 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I'd like to thank Diego from The Boxing Voice, who's a good friend of mine, for helping out with this week's show. We've now brought you 58 shows, and we've brought you 116 guests. I'd like to thank our three guests on this week's show, All Class Acts, Frankie Gavin, O'Hara Davies, and of course, just there, Ben Hall. We'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until next time, people... Take care.